whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Brought to you by Rock Antenna, Germany's number one rock radio station. Hello, <laughs> Mr. Freely. Nice talking to you, and thank you to, for taking the time talking to us. My pleasure. You know, I used to be a wizard computers, but yeah, you know, as I got older, uh, my memory isn't what it used to be. And yeah, is good either. That's rock and roll. Well, so, congratulations to your record, to your new one. It's a blast. It's uh, very much fun to listen to. How difficult was it for you to write to write it? Uh, did it take you a long time, or would it just come like like this? I write songs in a half an hour. Don't ask me how I do it. <laughs> Steve brought me part of the music for 10,000 volts. And I wrote the bridge and I rewrote 90% of the lyrics. All right. In about half an hour, 45 minutes. You know, I, everybody thinks that, you know, my lyrics have this deep meaning or alternate meaning. And, and pretty much I just strive for words that rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> but we have to talk about some lyrics, though. Uh, yeah, they have to rhyme, but they have to make sense. <laughs> you know, on this record, there's a whole variety of music. I mean, you're hard rocking, but you also you have. I've never heard you so romantic as on "Back Into My Arms" again. That was exciting. I uh, I was working. You know, I have a studio in my basement, as you can see, and uh, Steve has a studio in his basement, Steve Brown, my co-producer and co-writer on most of these songs. I was at Steve's studio and we had YouTube up and all of a sudden we were going through Ace Fairly stuff and he, all of a sudden he saw Back Into My Arms again, the demo, and we listened to it. He goes, Jesus Christ, that's a great song. You get, we got He goes, have you ever recorded it on a record? I go, no. I wrote it 40 years ago. I forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> we just listened to the demo. You know, I re I remember all the chord work and stuff and the solo. Yeah, we did it in a day. And then of course Steve did some overdubs with keyboards and stuff with some of his people. So how long actually did it take you to make the record? Well, the record actually took about 13 months. But right. I didn't bring Steve in until uh about six, seven months ago. And he helped expedite the process. Because uh, for some reason, when me and Steve get together, magic happens. Just like the original four members of Kiss, there was a definite, definite chemistry that nobody can really describe or put into words. It was just there. Even though we were four different people from four different backgrounds. Yeah. Same thing with me and Steve. The minute we got together, it just everything just started clicking. I inspired him. He inspired me. You know, if I couldn't find a word for uh, for a line, he'd come up with it, vice versa. You know, but I wrote most of the lyrics. We have to talk about one song, and it's Blinded. It's Blinded by Science and Blinded by Fear. Yeah. That, that is uh, very accurate, actually. That song, oh, you've heard the whole record? Yeah. Huh. Oh, great. I, you know, I was reviewing all the songs on the record, and I said to Steve, most of the songs are about girls, <laughs> which, which isn't really, you know, it's pretty normal for, for a rock, you know, songwriter to write about women. But, you know, I said, we got to change some of the subject matter. So I said, you know, I recently I've been reading about AI and the dangers of artificial intelligence, 
And pretty much, if you listen to the lyrics for Blinded, it's really about AI. Are you afraid of that? Did you get that out of the lyrics? Yes, I sort of did. Well, I mean, I've read several articles and about 40% of the scientists and CEOs think within five to 10 years, there's a good chance AI could take us out once it becomes self-aware. Okay. That's a whole different show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, I guess you're right. What was the hardest song to finish on this record for you? The hardest song was uh, Walking on the Moon was the first song me and him collaborated with, and that was actually going to be the title track. Yeah. Actually going to be the second single. And uh, that one we changed around a lot. You were just talking about Blinded previously. Yeah, we recorded that song, and then I, I woke up in the morning, and I had this idea to sing the chorus a cappella prior to the song coming in. And I told Steve, and he said, that's a great idea. You know, I went over his house, you know, we we just isolated the vocals and put them in the front of the song and cut and pasted it in Pro Tools and voila. (laughs) I have to ask you something about The Origins Volume 2. Uh, the previous record you did, because uh, I was I was kind of surprised that you did another record full of, you know, songs that inspired you. Because the first one was, you know, a thrill and perfect. And the second one is too. But I thought, I, I was just wondering why you did it. Why you put out a second record like this? Well, I'm actually supposed to put out a third. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in my, in my record contract, it's slated for Origins Volume 3 as my next record because actually Origins 1 and Origins 2 have been successful records. Yeah. And the whole concept behind the Origins series is that I re- re-record songs from bands that influenced me when I was a teenager and a young kid, you know, going into my 20s. Pretty much, if you listen to the songs, they're all Led Zeppelin. And, and, and you, you have the song titles in front of you. I can't remember. You know, I don't know what I did yesterday. So <laughs> talking about something I've recorded over a year ago. No, two years ago. Yeah. So there's another one coming up. We're supposed to do an Origins Volume 3. Now the record company's talking about maybe doing a live album instead. I've been kicking around the idea... But the problem with doing a live album in 2024 is everybody records the shows with their phones. Yeah. So, I mean, what's special about a live album except for, you know, the packaging and the artwork, so on and so forth? Yeah. But it's a live show. Everybody, you know, so many people post, show, you know, my concerts on YouTube. Yeah, the record company saying you can take it into the studio and overdub stuff and fix this and fix that. I said, well, you know, if I do that, the fans are going to hear the difference because they're going to have a pre-recorded show on their phone and then they're going to hear the record and it's not going to match up. So there's a problem there. <laughs> you know? I mean, everybody makes mistakes live. Yeah, well, that's the live feeling, I guess. You know, the record is called 10,000 Volts. Right. And I remember when you played with Kiss long time ago, you got hit, you got struck by an electric shock right during the microphone. I got electrocuted in Lakeland, Florida in, I think, 78. Did it come back to your mind when you when you choose the record title? You go like, oh, 10,000 volts, that's what it is. 
Well, uh, what made me what made us choose ten thousand volts is we thought it was a better opening track than walking on the moon. Even though I love walking on the moon, yeah, it just seemed a more exciting opening track. It's the kind of track it kind of hits over the head. Whereas walking on the moon is a slightly slower temper. I mean, you've heard it, right? Yep. Yeah. So I think that's a strong second single, and I think that's the plan. And the third single we want to do prior to the release of the album in February, on February 23rd, is Cherry Medicine. Yeah, good choice. And uh, what? Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> this is my studio. I I love it. I designed it. I was the architect. I you know I did everything. I like it. Yeah, it's like a spaceship a little. The concept of space and everything, and you being the spaceman, kiss it. It will never leave you, would it? See my little astronaut over there? Yeah. I found him in a store like uh, a year ago. I just said, I got I to gotta put that in my control room. <laughs> now, outside this door is a stage you know, with drums, guitar amps, bass. On the other side of this wall is a drum room that's isolated and soundproof. So you can record drums or guitars without even, you can't hear them through the wall because it's, We've got this special sheetrock that has lead in the middle of it, and we <laughs> double-walled it with a four-inch space of air All right. so the space doesn't travel through. So, I mean, it's a room within a room. It's a soundproof room, and it's pretty cool to have that. Yeah, yeah totally. When, speaking of a stage, uh, the last time you played Munich was in 2009. The last time you played in Germany was 2015. I know. It's killing me that I haven't uh, come over to Europe. You should. No, I want to. But, you know, there's, unfortunately, there's some, I have some legal issues with the uh, IRS and my passport. So I oh. really don't want to say anything more than that. But that's the true reason <laughs> I haven't been over to Europe because I don't have a passport. Oh, okay. That's you really know? bad, actually. We would love to have you here. I'm dying to go to Europe, you know, my, and my agent called me up a couple of months ago and he said, hey, so I can make you over, you know, three quarters of a million dollars playing all the festivals next year in Europe. I go, yeah, but I got to get my passport back, you know, so I got accountants and tax attorneys working around the clock on trying to expedite that. So hopefully, you know, I may be in Europe next summer. Nice one. I hope so, too. Are you actually happy that the whole kiss thing is over now and you don't oh, have to God, answer questions I? anymore? I'm happy it's over because I'm not going to be compared to them anymore. Yeah. The world is congratulating me on my single and my phone never stops ringing. But uh, I don't get this avatar thing that they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I saw some of it on a video on YouTube last night and It kind of looked like it was, you know, geared towards children. Yeah. And it's not rock and roll. <laughs> I get up on stage without backing tracks, plug my guitar into a Marshall and go. That's it. It's always been that way and it always will be. Have you actually watched the last show? I watched Indian Indianapolis and uh, I'm not impressed, but, you know, that's me. You know, Tommy Thayer. It's not a bad guitarist. He just is more mechanical than me. Mm. Nobody can copy my solos the way I play them. 
you know, because I'm sloppy. Nobody can move like me. Nobody, you know, yeah. he looks like me. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised the fans bought Tommy, you know, pretty much because I think for several years that Tommy was in the band, people didn't even know it wasn't me. I used to get phone calls from people and say, hey, Kiss is playing in town. Uh, can you get me tickets? I go, I'm not in the band anymore. They go, you're not? <laughs> Because, you know, when I quit the band the second time, they did not make a big press release. They kind of buried it, you know, and just made the transition. Yeah, but, I mean, when I last tour I did with Kiss, you know, Tommy Thayer was bringing me sandwiches, you know, and uh, he was a tour manager. and yeah. I mean, but he's not a bad guitar player. I'm actually friends with Tommy, you know. Just all the guys in the band, you know, I'm good friends with Eric Singer, you know, me and Gene are very close when uh, Gene put out his vault experience. I went on the road with him. I went to Australia with him. You know, before we made it really big, me and Gene used to room together. So, yeah, Gene has a soft spot in his heart for me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm wondering, is there going to be a sort of the end of the road tour from Ace Freely, certain point of time. I have, you know, I live day by day. I, I I don't plan ahead. I never have. I like spontaneity. It's like when I record a guitar solo. I have no idea what I'm going to play. I try to empty my head. As long as I know what key it's in, I just start playing solos. And the engineer records, you know, five or six of them. And then we pick the best parts. Sometimes I I get it from beginning to end perfectly, you know, but if if there's a bad note, you know, we just take it from a different take and replace it. It's real easy with Pro Tools. You know, but I was reading yeah. articles and people said Ace is auto-tuning his vocals on this record. That's a complete falsehood. That's me singing on key. You now my voice is stronger now than it's ever been. The proof is in the pudding when you hear me live, you know? I still can belt it out. There's no doubt about that. Not according to Paul and Gene, but <laughs> I, I think that deep down inside, they're jealous of me, and they always were. I mean, first of all, think back six, seven months ago. Yeah. They were inviting us publicly to play at the Garden. Yeah. Both of them in interviews. Then the last month, they trashed me and Peter and said, we can't play. If we if we got up on stage with them, you might as well call the band Piss. That's what really pissed me off. And I went on the Eddie Trunk show and gave him some shit for that. But, but, you know, those guys try to rewrite history all the time. I have no idea. I don't get this Avatar thing. I wish them well with it, you know, because <laughs> I'm going to get money if they do it. <laughs> <laughs> I still get paid on my makeup. Have you actually talked to Peter Chris about that? Peter sold his makeup. No, about the last shows and being invited and being not invited anymore and, and all this kind of craziness. You know, that they said in the press they invited me and Peter, but I never got a phone call. Peter never got a phone call. It was mm. bullshit. Mm. So, yeah, I just let her roll off my back. I do my thing. My uh, new single is almost at 400,000 views on YouTube in eight days. Yep. Over 3,000 comments, you know, mostly all positive. So I have nothing to complain about and nothing to worry about. <laughs> at least 
they're out of the way now. I mean, this avatar thing, I don't know what, the, I don't know how they're going to present it on a big screen or what. I, I don't know. I saw in the video, you know, they're recording some stuff with dots on their face, you know, like the in the movie Avatar. I think the whole thing's pretty silly. And it's definitely not real rock and roll. So but <laughs> some KISS fans might find it fun. So yeah, a lot of KISS fans are crazy. I mean, Paul and Jenny have been doing the same set for the last five, ten years. They haven't yeah. put an album in almost twenty years. Yeah. No new music. I put out, what, five or six records? I don't get it. The fans seem to, you know, just uh, most of the songs they play, most of the guitar solos that Tommy plays, not all, but most of them are solos that I wrote, and he tries to play them note for note. That's the only thing that bothers me a little because, you know, for the people, then they, uh, put, you know, uninvited me. Yeah. Who, who the hell knows what they're going to do next? For all I know, in, in six months, I might get a call from Gene and he's going to want to start a band with me. Who the hell knows? <laughs> I just live life one day at a time. I really have a good feeling about this album. You've heard it. I think it's one of the best albums I've ever recorded. It is. And I'm dying to get the reaction from the fans. And it's uh, going to take a while. It's going to be out in February, I guess. No, it's going to be killer. But what is really interesting is that almost with each song on the record, mm -hmm. you kind of drift musically along into certain varieties. I, sometimes you, you sound a little bluesy, some, sometimes you sound hard rocking, and sometimes you sound just, um, you know, almost like, a, it's, it's not pop music, but it's very, uh, very light music for, you know, for a nice freely. I'll tell you something you probably don't know. The song over 10 years ago, believe it or not, That song is played over the credits of that movie Transporter with Jason Statham. Oh. That was at least 10 years ago, the first Transporter film. Yeah. I forgot the melody of that song. When it came to record this record, you know, I played the original track for Steve, and I said, Steve, we could do this really heavy with keyboards and, and power chords. I could do a great solo, a good opening solo. And he said, yeah, I love the song. You know, it modulates twice the chorus. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I said to Steve, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sing that, you know, two modulations. He goes, you will. I'll coach you. I pulled it off. You did. But you also sound uh, a little bluesy, as far as I could hear. I was always a blues-based guitarist. I was. Yeah. I idolized Eric Clapton and Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, all blues-based guitar players. You know, even Hendrix, huge fan of, of The Who. I actually cut school, and, and I went to see The Who and The Cream opening up for Mitch Ryder and Detroit Wheels in mid-Manhattan when I was 15 years old, and it changed my life, you know, and I had no idea what to expect, because their albums were just coming out. It blew me away, and uh, it, but at the same time, I said to myself, you know, listening to them, I could get up there and do that. You did. <laughs> That's what I, I can do. I'd be able to do that. I know, you know. Look, God gave me talent. He gave me the artistic talent. You know, I helped design the record cover. Up until last night, I was doing Photoshop on the inside of the cover and fixing things. 
sending them back to the record company. Now, because I, I had Photoshop 1.0, you know, like 25, 30 years ago. <laughs> and, you know, I have about 12 computers here in my house. So computers are second nature for me. And I'm a graphic artist as well. You know, so God gave me many talents. And I think one of the reasons God kept me alive is I got sober 17 years ago. Yeah. I've been influencing fans in a positive way. You know, in the old days, in the 70s, fans used to go out and get loaded and and try to live the life that I was living, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. But, you know, eventually it caught up to me. But, you know, now when I have meet and greets and fans come backstage, you know, they have AA coins, you know, and they go, I got five years all because of you. And that really warms my heart. Makes me realize, you know, I think I'm I'm up there and God kept me alive for, for you know, a purpose. Not only yeah. do I make people happy, but I've been getting people sober by my example. And you know, that just warms my heart and uh, makes me want to play more and play harder and just do the best I can at everything I do. Over the years, did your perception of playing guitar change? Never. Okay. Does this record sound the same as very I'm playing the same style I played on my 78 solo record, but the production is upgraded. Now with Pro Tools, you know, when I worked with Eddie Kramer on my 78 solo record and we did New York Groove, which was my biggest hit so far, but I may surpass that, you know, with this record hopefully knock on wood. Yeah. We used to cut tape with razor blades and have to, you know, if we wanted to make an edit use two-inch tape, 24-track machines. Sometimes we'd use two machines and link them up together. We'd sync them up and use uh, the second machine just to do overdubs. But it was it was a lot more work and painstaking. You know, now you want to, you know, you decide you want to do an edit on a song. It's a click of a mouse. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You had a period in time briefly where you had where you were playing under the name Freely's Freely's Comets. Yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> what happened invariably is on the marquees of all the concert halls I was playing, eighty to ninety percent of them said Ace Freely's Comet. I wanted to keep the band called Freely's Comet. Because I wanted a band feel. You know, I always liked the brotherhood, you know, and the camaraderie of being in a band with other people. But I just quit a super group and I, I forgot that I'm world famous internationally. And uh, the guys I was playing with weren't. So <laughs> okay. that was an issue. So eventually I just changed it over to the Israeli band. Nobody has a problem with that at this juncture. Do you have a band now, a steady one? The band that's in the video is my touring band. All right. They didn't really play on the record. <laughs> But they're learning the songs now. You know, my guitar player, Jeremy, you know, he already figured out 10,000 volts and he's working on Walking on the Moon and Cherry Medicine because we got to do some of these songs live. They're just yeah. too good not to. Exactly. So if, if there's one thing that you could actually go back in time and change, Control freaks, you know. Uh, yeah, they never give me credit, you know. You know, in the studio when we were recording, I never get the pat on the back and say, great solo waves. You know, it's just say, okay, let's move on to the next one. You know, 
that's the way it was. I never got the credit that I deserve from those guys. And even to this day, they really don't like to talk much about me. And when they do, they don't have nice things to say most of the time. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is. It is. Well, I have no more further questions, Your Honor. Thank you very much for taking the time and talking to us. We want to have you over here. Work on your passport, sir. Where are you? You're in Germany? Yes, I am in Munich, Germany. I love Munich. I remember uh, I bought that big uh, beer stein there <laughs> one day. You know, in my heritage, I'm German and Dutch. Oh. I'm part Cherokee Indian. Oh. Mostly, uh, mostly German because I have German on my mother's side and German on my father's side. So Nice. All right. A pleasure talking Thanks to you. Time. See you soon. Okay, See bye. You. Whole lot of talk. The interviews that rock. Subscribe to our channel for more rocking podcasts.